From Nevada Public Radio, I'm Joe Shaneman, it's State of Nevada. Reed International Airport hit a record last year with nearly 58 million passengers coming or going through the airport. And if you've been to the airport lately, maybe you saw some lines are longer and it might not be as easy to walk around. The airport does, though, continue to rank high in passenger satisfaction. Last fall, it came in third in a survey just behind Minneapolis-St. Paul's Airport and Detroit's Wayne County Airport. But Vegas is growing. The sports industry has created a burst of economic growth and major developments are on the way. So plans for a second major airport south of Las Vegas between Gene and Prim are gaining steam after being mothballed during the Great Recession. In fact, last year, state lawmakers set aside 5,000 acres near the proposed airport for a new town that could spring up. Airport construction is expected to start in 2029. There will be hurdles. Environmental oversight isn't finished. Conservation groups have worries about its impact, as do nearby rural communities. To lay some of the groundwork for a discussion on the airport, we talked earlier this week with Jim Chrysley. He is the Clark County Senior Director of Aviation and a leadership member of the Southern Nevada Supplemental Airport Project, And here's that discussion. Jim, welcome to State of Nevada. Great. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to have you. So let's talk about uh, this airport, Harry Reid Airport, and the potential for this additional airport south of Las Vegas. It's expected that Harry Reid International will reach its full capacity of some 63 million passengers by 2030. Why and how has Harry Reid Airport seen all of this traffic? I mean, what's made it grow so quickly? Yeah, I tell you, it's interesting. First of all, let me say that, you know, the capacity is a moving target. So yes. I would not say 63 million. It does change as airlines change, you know, size aircraft, as other things change. So there's ways to handle that. But yes, we are reaching our constrained or uh, definitely going to be at a point where delay may be a problem where when we hit to the point of saturation where we're experiencing commercial delays to the national airspace system so but we are on that track and what has caused that that's a, an interesting phenomena but as we all know uh, we did reach our busiest year ever this past year we hit 57.6 million passengers uh, breaking our high water mark of the year before by more than 5 million and that was set in 2022 and uh, the record before that was 2019 and obviously the pandemic happened, uh, reduced our, 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 our numbers, but we did recover very, very quickly as we always do in Las Vegas. But, but as you all know, the community does continue to grow and evolve. Over the decades, we've grown from the gaming capital of the world to then the entertainment capital of the world. And now, as we all know, with our Golden Knights, our Aces and our Raiders, we're now encompassing to include the sports capital of the world. And, and as we grow, as the community grows, the airport traffic will continue to grow. So more than half of the visitors that visit Las Vegas arrive by air. Yeah. So that 2023 record of 57.6 million passengers showcases that growing demand. And as we look to the future with the A's now on the docket, talk of an NBA team, this this transformation or evolution to the sports capital of the world is really drawing more and more demand to our destination and through our airport system. And Harry Reid International is about 2,800 acres. It's pretty small compared to other airports around the country, but but it's hanging in there, even though it is one of the top 10 busiest airports in the country. How has it been able to withstand this growth? I mean, what kind of adaptations have been made at the airport to withstand this? 
No, and one of the big things was airspace. You know, a lot of what feeds into the airport, the airspace is just as critical. And the Las Vegas Valley is very constrained with terrain to the west, DOD restricted or special use airspace to the north with Nellis Air Force Base and the surrounding area. And then with the the, uh, encroachment of our 2,800 acres. So one of the big things that was happened was the Metroplex where FAA came in uh, five years ago and implemented some airspace improvements to gain efficiencies and improve safety in and out of our system. And as well as working very closely with our airline partners to understand schedule and demands and trying to ensure that our facilities are up to what their demands are with TSA or CBP, et cetera, to ensure that we can meet that demand. Now, now this upcoming Southern Nevada Supplemental Airport, how big will that be? Well, currently we have a Clark County Department of Aviation. We own 6,000 acres and that will be four. So basically double the size of what Harry Reid's on. Unfortunately, due to the terrain restrictions down there, we'll only accommodate uh, parallel runways. Now, once we finish the environmental review process through our joint lead agencies, both the FAA and BLM, the surrounding 17,000 acres will also be uh, be transferred to CCDOA. And the purpose of that is for compatible development around the airport. So in total, it's 23,000 acres for the Southern Nevada Supplemental Airport Development Area, but 6,000 dedicated to the airport itself. That's massive. You know, 20 years ago, I remember when they were talking about, they called it the Ivanpah Airport. Then they talked about it being mainly for cargo. Has that mission changed? Is it now passengers and cargo? Or talk about that. No, and and let me be clear. the, The purpose of this airport is supplemental commercial air service. Cargo is not a huge demand in and out of here, out of our valley, out of our community. But what we are, what we do need is supplemental commercial airport. And that's what this airport will be. It was a supplemental commercial service. And both Commissioner Jim Gibson and Rosemary Vasiliadis, director of the Clark County Department of Aviation, has said this would cost at full build out about $12 billion. Is that accurate? Yeah, costs are still being evaluated, but that is in the that's in the realm of where the rough draft costs are as of we sit today. But as we continue through the planning process, those costs will be refined. And, okay. uh, and obviously, full build out doesn't happen on the first day. So, to get to the initial operating capability, the, the uh, opening day, as we like to say, that those costs will be reduced based on what we need to operate that airport initially. And this would be one of the first major airports built in in many, many years from the ground up. Aside from being a supplement to Harry Reid, how will it be built to make it a better airport? Or what kind of things might it have that Reid doesn't? Well, one of the biggest things is it will not be encroached, right? It's a greenfield. And you're right. This is the first greenfield airport since Denver back in the early 90s. And, uh, it's really exciting to be about that. But the biggest difference between us and Denver Denver was a replacement airport for Stapleton. If you remember downtown Mm -hmm. Stapleton encroached, uh, no room for growth. So they went out 30 miles, approximately 30 miles to the east of Denver and replaced. So that was a very uh, simple uh, calculation to do. We're going to take this activity and move it there. Now, Harry Reid will sit, this will, this air, Harry Reid will continue to operate at its maximum capacity moving forward. And this airport will be there to supplement the commercial activity and, whatever needs, you know, as we, as our economy changes, potentially cargo could be a bigger uptick in the future, but primarily it will be a supplemental, only supplementing the capacity at Harry Reid to meet the aviation demands of this community. Sustainability is the key word these days. Security is huge. Can you talk about some of the changes in that area? 
Absolutely. And, you know, of course, we're not building the airport of today. We're planning for the airport of the future and sustainability will be a huge part of that in how we uh, effectively create facilities that are both friendly to the environment, friendly to water conservation efforts, et cetera. So that'll be a huge part of this and security as well. And uh, with the 6,000 acres and the, the compatible land use area around it, that can only serve to, to help uh, security of this new facility. And, and our goal moving forward is to continue to protect this facility so we can grow or build the airport we need to build. Earlier this year as well, state lawmakers approved Senate Bill 19, which will allow Clark County to put aside 5,000 acres or more off of Interstate 15 between Gene and Prim as a new town for the airport. Is that accurate, a new town for the airport, or, or what's the rationale behind that? It's an, it's an enabling bill, so it enables the, the county to establish a township. It required modification to the NRS to allow that to do that since there's no population does the current NRS require a population to be able to create a township? So what this does, it takes both the 6,000 acre site, the 17,000 acres surrounding uh, compatible development area, and then they the Senate bill also accounted for an extra additional mile buffer around the 17,000 acres. So basically 23,000 acres plus the mile buffer enables the ability to create that township to even further enhance the protections of that compatible land use to ensure we do not get incompatible development. When the time's right and they enact this Senate bill, then we'll be able to even further protect the uh, the development mm-hmm. around the new site. That will obviously mean a lot more traffic on I-15. Is that something that's being anticipated and planned for? Absolutely. And, uh, and, and let me back up a minute, but to be, you know, that was anticipated 20 plus years ago when this project was uh, first contemplated. And, uh, in addition to the 23,000 acres I've already discussed, there is a half mile wide transportation utility corridor that goes from the top, the north corner of the uh, airport site all the way to Sloan on the east side of 15. So there is the ability within that, it's not exclusive for the airport, but there is the ability to add transportation corridors, sort of like the Washington DC model with uh, connecting DC to Dulles Airport, if you're familiar with that. Mm-hmm. They have a, a dedicated route to the airport. So we have that ability to uh, connect the airport that way without having to get into the I-15 traffic. Now, counter to that, you know, as opening day, as I mentioned earlier, I-15 will be a critical uh, connectivity to that. We do meet with the Nevada Department of Transportation on a regular basis to ensure our planning is in line with what they're planning, especially with all the increased, you know, as we grow 50% plus of air by air, the other 50% are coming by vehicle. And a lot of that traffic does come in out of Southern Nevada or Southern California along the I-15 corridor. So we are in conversations with them to ensure our plans remain synchronized yeah. and uh, able to, to accommodate both needs. Uh, will that additional corridor be for vehicles or, or do you think it could be for something like light rail or mass transit? You know, we're looking at all options. I mean, from uh, dedicated bus routes to light rail to vehicles, it could be anything we want it to be. And we're going to continue to evaluate those as we move forward with the project. But the key is a reliable and consistent way to get both passengers and employees to the airport. And, and, you know, when you're talking about the growth of this area, there's also going to have to be hookups to water and utilities. And we've heard that uh, from, from various people that the cost to do just that could reach into the 12 billion dollar area is that accurate uh we're still working very we work very closely with our, our southern nevada water authority the las vegas water valley valley water district as well as as well as clark county water reclamation and uh those costs are still being developed so i would not say that's necessarily accurate but 
we also have to focus on what the needs of the airport are and what's part of the airport yeah. project versus everything that it would take to get you know water to develop everything. So our focus through the environmental will be providing those utilities to the airport site itself. And, you know, I've covered Cloud County for many years, and and I think the current bonding capacity of the county is about $12 billion. And I'm wondering, you, this is a public project, you will sell bonds to fund it. While this is being built and bonds are being sold, do you think other projects will have to be set aside? Uh, you know, and I, w- I will not say this is going to be necessarily a fully bonded project. We are going to look at all options okay. from borrowing money through public-private partnerships as we move through the process of the planning and design. So, no, we have to, we cannot solely focus on SNSA. We have to have the ability, at least within the Clark County system of airports, to modernize Harry Reid as well. As we know here, we need to max, like I said before, we need to maximize every square inch of our 2,800 acres. And part of that is also modernizing some of our very, our aging infrastructure. And we're in the process of parallel efforts to modernize the infrastructure here, expand with the Southern Nevada Supplemental Airport Project, as well as increasing the connectivity between the facilities of Harry Reid as well as a future connection to SNSA. So we cannot have a single project while ignoring Harry Reid. So they all have to be part of that overall financial plan. And again, if you're just joining us, Jim Chrysley is the Senior Director of Aviation and a leadership member of the Southern Nevada Supplemental Airport Project with the Clark County Department of Aviation. Do you think that the Brightline uh, high-speed rail from California could build a stop at that airport, or is it planned to bypass it? Yeah, the current plans, that's another group that we've been coordinating very closely with over the, the previous, well, four or five years now. And uh Currently, there is no plan for a stop at, at the Southern Nevada Supplemental Airport. They're solely focused on getting their uh, connectivity in place with a high-speed rail, and certainly something we will be discussing at some point in the future when the time is right to uh, understand what the f- possibility of that would be, right? But as we said today, no, it's bypassing. It'll go from uh, Victorville to their station at Warm Springs in uh, I-15. Yeah, the reason I ask that is, you know, the, the airport's going to be about 30 miles south of Las Vegas. And again, in Denver, their major airport is 30 miles from the heart of the city. But I wonder if there's a concern or if surveys have been done with prospective travelers about whether they would want to fly to an airport 30 miles south of the city and then potentially drive or be driven into Las Vegas. Yeah, and that's one of our focuses. That is a concern, right, The uh, of how passengers will get to and from and certainly with the transportation utility corridor I mentioned earlier. But as our planning efforts are, we know that has to be reliable, consistent, and easy connection and, and quick to get to the, at least to a comparable area of Harry Reid. And uh, part of our planning, and that's that connectivity part of our planning efforts will be to address just that. And on the flip side, we did do a, a local, some ground transportation workshops a few years ago to just to get the locals flair of how they would react to an airport there. And, and we did surveys, we did some public outreach meetings, and uh, we were able to get some input from them. And the majority of the feedback we got, you know, we were trying to find what type of public transportation or any sort of interesting ideas they may have had. But the overwhelming thought was from our surveying was people would want to be able to drive. So meaning that we do need to focus on the ability to drive as well, in addition to any public transportation that would move uh, both passengers and employees to and from the airport site. Yeah, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think this airport would be constructed on a dry lake bed. 
And I wonder if some of the engineering and the design, the strategy for this has taken into consideration the potential for when we get big rains, if that there's a flooding capacity there, or, or will that area flood? Oh, it definitely, as you pointed out, it is a dry lake bed. So that is the low point of the Ivan Paul Valley. Yeah. So when it does rain, that's where it all goes. So certainly uh, from an engineering perspective, a very a, a, a challenge, right? And uh, we do, and that's one of our primary objectives of this project is uh, the earthwork that's going to be required. So we will have to build up the entire uh, platform, as we call it, to build both the runways and the terminal facilities and all the supporting facilities as well and uh, where we'll get that dirt. So as we build up the platform, we'll be excavating the flood control or the retention or detention basins that will be there to help uh, manage those those rainwaters when they do come. So as we excavate the detention basins, we'll be able to bring it across or bring it over to the airport site and compact and build up the site. And uh, various other challenges with that, with the type of soils that are there, the, the compatibility and how we improve those to be able to build the platform. So huge effort to get the platform to a point where we could actually start building the airport as well. So this is a mega, mega project. And so obviously people on all sides of it are looking at it and local organizations like Basin and Range Watch have raised concerns about the potential environmental impact. And they've talked about the area supporting a variety of rare, important species and the visual and cultural resources of the area. Where is it right now in the environmental impact uh, phase? Yeah, so in December of this year, we got the final green light from our joint lead agencies, both the FAA and BLM, to begin the uh, selection process to select the environmental impact statement consultant. So that RFQ was released in December. We're looking for the, the proposals to come in in March and hopefully get that contractor on board in June-ish of this year to uh, begin that environmental work to start the EIS process where all those concerns will be addressed through a very public uh, federal process, through the NEPA process. And that, that takes a long time. So when do you think, when might the first shovel go into the ground to break ground for this? Well, so once we do get the contractor on board and we issue the notice of intent, that is a two-year hard start for uh, the EIS to be completed. So within two years of that, so shovel in the ground, then we have to start design process and there'll be some pre-works. So within the next five to seven years, we'll be hopefully have a shovel in the ground. And for full completion, how long do you think it'll take after that? Uh, right now, we're looking for a 2037 opening day. Wow. So it's uh, very exciting to be a part of such a project and such an impactful project and know and being able to look to the future when it's in place and knowing what it's going to provide to this community. It's just a once in a lifetime experience for sure. Absolutely. Jim Chrysley is Senior Director of Aviation of the Clark County Department of Aviation. He's a leadership member of the Southern Nevada Supplemental Airport Project. Jim, thank you so much. Thank you, Joe. I appreciate the opportunity to speak today. And with us now is Patrick Donnelly, Great Basin Director for the Center for Biological Diversity. Patrick, welcome back. Hi, Joe. Thanks for having me. It's great to have you here. So Ivanpah Valley is kind of used to big projects. The solar power facility was completed in 2016. It was met with some controversy for displacing wildlife and plant life. But talk a little bit about what you see as the potential environmental impact an airport could have in that area. Yeah, well, Ivanpah Valley is an area of rich Mojave Desert biodiversity. 
Um, in particular, it's been a stronghold for the desert tortoise, uh, which is the iconic threatened species of the Mojave Desert and Nevada's state reptile. Um, it's also home to a rare wildflower, the white-margined penstemon, <laughs> which is a tiny little four-inch tall wildflower that grows in just a few isolated locations, including right in the footprint of the airport. Um, and so certainly previous industrial development in Ivanpah Valley has impacted biodiversity there, uh, mostly related to the solar projects or a number of solar projects in Ivanpah Valley. Um, but it is not a lost cause. Ivanpah Valley still has very important biodiversity value, and we need to really be considering how this airport is going to negatively impact that. Well, when projects like this are done, as we we talked about minutes ago, environmental impact assessments are completed. They have to be approved by government agencies. Don't those take the impact into consideration? I mean, isn't that enough? Well, first off, um, I think by the time an environmental impact statement process starts, the decision has already been made to permit the project. And it's a question of how, mm-hmm. not whether. You know, BLM, when they start an EIS, never chooses the no-action alternative. They never choose to deny a project. Uh, In addition, in this case, it's more complicated because Congress already decided about this airport in some ways. They transferred the land. And so that was a congressional action. And so, you know, I'm not saying we're going to fight this airport to the bitter end, but even if we chose to, it would be very complicated because Congress already made some of those decisions. And, you know, no matter how many times you sue somebody, you can't undo Uh, the act of Congress. And so, you know, I do think to some degree the airport is likely to be built and that the question is what sorts of mitigation are going to be in place to address these really significant environmental impacts. So so I wonder, in your experience, have you seen projects that are approved by BLM, different government agencies, but then have unexpected environmental impacts? Well, I mean, right there in Ivanpah Valley is one of the best examples. Um, the, the Ivanpah Solar Energy Generating Station on the California side of the border was the first major utility-scale solar project in the Mojave Desert, and they found something like an order of magnitude more desert tortoises than they had expected. Um, and it caused the construction to shut down in the middle of it and caused tens of millions of dollars in cost overrun for mitigation and caused really substantial impacts to the desert tortoises there. And so, yeah, that definitely happens And it speaks to the necessity of a truly thorough vetting, you know, under an environmental impact statement. Coming up, uh, Patrick, I want you to hold on here. Coming up, we're going to talk about airline safety. You know, it's a growing concern in this country. And we're going to talk about how environmentalists might balance the need for safety with protection of the environment. This is State of Nevada. Support for Nevada Public Radio comes from the Smith Center, presenting the Yuko Mabuchi Trio. Jazz pianist and composer Yuko Mabuchi pays tribute to jazz classics as well as music from around the world. Saturday, March 16th. Information at thesmithcenter.com. Doobie doobie doo, where are you? No, it doesn't matter if your old vehicle's name is Betsy or Old Faithful or even the Mystery Machine. When it's time to move on, donate your old mystery machine to Nevada Public Radio. We'll handle paperwork, auction it off, and put the proceeds into more of the news and information you want. Learn more at knpr.org. I'm Scott Tong. 
Michigan's primary is underway this week, and an Arab-American coalition wants Democrats to vote uncommitted to pressure President Biden into calling for a permanent ceasefire in Gaza. Michigan will be decided in November by a few thousand votes. So we are aiming to show that the pro-ceasefire voters could provide the margin of victory for Biden. Next time on Here and Now. This morning at 10 on KNPR. Nevada Public Radio and Desert Companion is hosting the 12th annual Focus on Nevada Photo Contest with categories focused on our beautiful state and the people who live here. Submit your photos at desertcompanion.com. Support for Nevada Public Radio comes from UNLV, where our graduates make a difference every day to drive our Southern Nevada economy. Rebels make it happen at unlv.edu. And from Nevada Public Radio, I'm Joe Shane. I'm in the state of Nevada, and we are back talking today about what would be the biggest construction project probably in Nevada history if it comes to fruition. It's an airport 30 miles south of Las Vegas. Construction has been priced at $12 billion or more. The price of infrastructure going to the airport and surrounding developments has been estimated to cost between $12 and $15 billion, though if you heard earlier, those calculations are still being worked on. Construction could begin in 2029 and be completed by 2037. We talked earlier with Clark County's Jim Chrysley, a member of the Southern Nevada Supplemental Airport Project. We'll also be talking to County Commissioner Michael Naft, whose district includes the airport. But now we're back with Patrick Donnelly. He is the Great Basin Director for the Center for Biological Diversity, a conservation organization. So, uh, Patrick, I, I want to talk a little bit about more conservation here. The Clark County has this goal of zero emissions by 2015. This airport is in the county. Do you think that goal is reachable with all of the planes and the growth expected around and in that airport? I'm sorry, 2050. Um, Yeah, you know, I think when you're considering that aspect of this, we also need to consider the cumulative effects of this airport because it's not just an airport. There's the Clark County Lands Bill, which would propose to sell off all the public land between the airport and Las Vegas. And so theoretically, you're looking at, you know, 60,000 acres of new development, a city the size of Milwaukee uh, uh, plopped in the desert south of Las Vegas. And so that in and of itself is going to have significant uh, cumulative carbon emissions. Um, You're talking about more people driving to the city center. Uh, You're talking about you know, bulldozing pristine desert that is a carbon sequestration uh, source um, in order to build build a whole new city. And uh, so that is in and of itself going to generate new carbon emissions and I think make it very challenging to, to achieve some of those uh, targets for reductions. It, I, I guess I can hear this in your voice, Patrick, and I've talked to you enough times to know. It sounds like you don't think there is any stopping of this project. I mean, again, Congress has already weighed in, um, and so it's it's very challenging, I think, to to push back um, once Congress has weighed in, short of getting a new law to overturn that one. Um, and so, you know, I think it's likely the airport does get built. I also think, you know, um, if, you know, environmentalists may or may not stop a project when we get involved. And I think for us, the priority is we're not against airports. We're against extinction. And so we are trying to ensure that the Mojave Desert tortoise and the white margin penstemon and all the other biodiversity in Ivanpah Valley, you know, doesn't get uh, on the track to extinction because of development down there. 
on this program just yesterday we talked about airline safety the the need for more pilots as more and more people are flying the New York Times reported last year a 25% increase in on-the-ground near-misses over the last 10 years. At the same time, Reed International, again, is growing in passengers. So there is a genuine need here. In the best of all worlds, then, what do you hope happens? Well, uh, you know, we're in no position to dispute the need for the airport. Uh, that's left best to the airline experts, uh, the air travel experts. Um, you know, again, our focus is protecting biodiversity. And so would I ideally like, you know, the Clark County Lands Bill to go away and the airport to be built somewhere in the Las Vegas Valley? Yes, I would. Um, however, we're going to be pushing for, again, the strongest possible protections for the desert tortoise and the other biodiversity down there uh, in Ivanpah Valley. You know, ultimately, that probably means some amount of mitigation. That it means avoiding habitat, especially the white margin penstemon, the wildflower habitat. We have filed an Endangered Species Act petition for that flower. And so we hope that will encourage development away from its habitat. Um, and so, you know, I think that's the type of dialogue we're going to be having and the type of interventions we're going to be pursuing. And that's Patrick Donnelly. He is the Great Basin Director for the Center for Biological Diversity. And it would be five years before construction begins on this new airport south of Las Vegas. But with a project this big, $12 billion and more, plans are already in motion and moving pretty quickly. It would be about 30 miles south of Las Vegas, and the impact would be enormous for an area of desert now that's mostly relegated to solar fields, desert, the desert tortoise, some other plant life, and unincorporated towns like Good Springs. Stephen Stats, Stotts is the owner of the Pioneer Saloon in Good Springs. Stephen, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me on. It's great to have you here. So there's no question this will increase the number of people in your area, in Good Springs, surrounding areas, and on the roads around that area. How do you see the airport? I mean, what are your views on this? Well, I, as a business owner, that's, I'm kind of indifferent about it because you'll have good and bad. You'll have you know, maybe some more people in the area that uh, might want to go have lunch and they hear Pioneer Saloon's a historical landmark and the oldest bar in mm -hmm. Southern Nevada and go, oh, it's only five minutes away. I'll jump over there. But then on the other side, you'll have uh, some people not wanting to come out there because it's extra traffic. Uh, so a lot of the Vegas locals may not be as, as apt to to want to uh, ride out there if it's uh, extra, um, you know, if there's a lot more going on and it's not as isolated. Because one thing that people love about the Pioneer Saloon is it's isolated in this little town out in the middle of nowhere. And uh, if it's considered part of Las Vegas, it'll lose a little bit of that lore. Plus, we do a lot of film and music video soundtrack or music video productions. And a lot of those producers like to come film at the Pioneer Saloon because there's no airport traffic overhead. So sound wise, they have a, a little easier time of it. And if you have a giant airport out there, that'll take that away and we'll probably have fewer uh, film projects. So from a business standpoint, it's, uh, it's kind of uh, you know, good and bad from a resident standpoint, because I, I do have a house in Good Springs. Um, and I, I like to joke that it's just a four and a half minute stumble distance from the Pioneer Saloon. <laughs> um, but it's, uh, from, from a resident standpoint, uh, most of us out there enjoy it out there because it's isolated. And you, know, you will have some people not, not as happy about the growth hitting uh, that area of Gene and Good Springs. Although I, th I think there's two frames of thought. If you're a property owner, you're going to say, oh, hey, maybe my property values will go up with everything else going on out there, the expansion and so forth. 
But as a lot of us uh, in Good Springs are on fixed income and we rent, and uh, I think uh, those folks will not be as happy about about the growth in their little friendly, quiet town being uh, infringed on. Yeah, yeah, it, it is an amazing little place. And like you said, the Pioneer Saloon is known by Las Vegans for its isolation. It's a great place to go. Uh, has the county, has Clark County started reaching out to the community about this? Do you know? Yeah, um, we, we get, uh, you know, we, we get informed on all this stuff pretty, on a pretty regular basis. And I, of course, watch it more closely probably than a lot of people. And uh, I have heard, you know, rumors about the Bright Line start, you know, stopping over there in Gene as well, which is funny because Gene, the town of Gene has a zero population. So unless you're a woman in prison out there, you're not, you're not residing out there. So everybody's going to be commuting in from somewhere for work. So uh, that'll, you know, certainly the, the traffic issues will uh, is something to address. But I think the growth of Las Vegas, nothing's going to stop Las Vegas in the next 10 to 20 years. And it's just a matter of time before the city moves south towards Los Angeles and eventually connects with the rural areas out there. Yeah. And as you're talking, Josh from Las Vegas called and left this message. He says, I'm an Uber driver, and a lot of customers love how close Harry Reid International is to the city. I imagine the supplemental airport could be an issue for tourists. And I want to get into that now with Michael Naft. He is the Clark County Commissioner, whose District A includes the supplemental airport, the proposal. Michael, welcome back to the program. Thanks for having me, Joe. So you know about the need, but also concerns about the airport to conservationists and some residents. How do you see the airport? Well, I think you've you've spoke a little bit about capacity, and I think that's a, a realistic conversation that obviously has been had and needs to be taken seriously. When we have a landlocked airport, which is truly the economic engine for this community and supports so much of what we love about living here, um, you have to be realistic about what that capacity is. And and they've done a tremendous job. I know you spoke to Jim earlier. Uh, things like the Super Bowl wouldn't have happened, by the way, without Jim. Mm-hmm. He and his team did an extraordinary job moving people in and out um, with great numbers, great volume. And the capacity that they're hitting, you know, these used to be big weekend numbers. It's every weekend. It's every day. There's no downtime over there with 57 and a half million people going uh, through that airport last year and uh, on pace to continue to expand. Um, and I, I agree with that last caller. We, that's what I love about living here is access to an international airport that is so close to the community. Uh, LAS is not going anywhere. Um, Reed International will continue to, to operate in the center of town and thrive and do well and reach capacity and be available to the airlines that uh, select to have routes coming in and out of it. Um, but we do need to take seriously that, uh, you know, if we want to continue to thrive as a community, we need to look at every transportation option available. Um, I think Patrick did a good job laying out some of the history there and particularly the congressional action that took place. Um, but, you know, the truth is there's a reason why building an airport is a long, slow, methodical process. It's, it is, as you pointed out, an expensive project. 
but it's also one that is extraordinarily complex um, and requires the amount of time that it's taken and will continue to take. And that includes things like making sure that the environmental impact study is done um, in a way that is um, not only comprehensive, but also uh, allows opportunities to mitigate the impacts of the project. And the development along the I-15 corridor going down there is going to be enormous. Uh, you heard Patrick say, you know, the, those the 60,000 60, or so acres that are the size uh, of a city like Milwaukee. You and I probably won't be around to see that built out when it happens, but a lot of people, you know, are concerned about water. There was this new Colorado College poll just in the last week or so that found 70% of Nevadans think water supply and the lowering river levels is is a serious issue. Are you worried about that? I mean, uh, about our water supply? Yeah, I think you have to be wide-eyed about the, uh, the the drought and the water situation that we're in. And I think that's why you've seen um, the Clark County Commission take in the last five years that I've been on the board some of the most extraordinary steps when it comes to conservation. Um, we've tried to... Uh, handle it in a way that has not impacted one industry or one group or, or one subset of people uh, in in an extraordinarily hard way, but to spread that pain out over, um, over a lot of different industries and individuals. And I think he, there is no doubt that we take it more seriously than it's ever been taken before um, and are trying to tackle it from every different angle. Um, but I think it's also why it's so important that if we are going to grow, it happens in a way that that is methodical and is thoughtful and building to the highest possible standards that reduce um, the impact as much as is possible. Yeah, and, and I think that's what Clark County residents really want. In terms of development, you know, last June, Tim Lewicki of the Oakview Group laid out his plans for a $10.8 billion development on the south end of the Strip that would include potentially an NBA arena. You support that project. I wonder if that project is also maybe creating a need or pushing along plans for this new airport because there's going to be yeah, that is going to push a lot more development in that area. It's going to be more people that are further away from Reed International and this other airport might just uh, be the thing that they want to see there. I, I, I guess in the end, people are also thinking that maybe there will be a sort of a new strip created near or around this airport? Well, I think you're, the area you're pointing out, Blue Diamond and Las Vegas Boulevard, is a, is a really interesting area. I, I believe the area between Warm Springs and even St. Rose on Las Vegas Boulevard is probably uh, the most prime for um, development in Southern Nevada because, one, that's already in our H1 zoning, so it's already entitled, meaning the um, the, the land use for that area is, is already some of the highest intensity and it offers an opportunity to put some some good um, urban planning and urban design there uh, to sort of complement some of these big projects, including uh, you referenced Oakview, but also right over there would be the Brightline train station, um, which I think has the opportunity to really um, propel so much of what we're talking about in a in a positive way yeah you are very interested in traffic safety here the airport would be 30 miles from las vegas are you considering something that we talked to jim chrysley about uh, light rail or you know i'm just going to say some mass transit other than buses from that airport to las vegas to the strip 
I think there has to be. I think it'll be an expectation of passengers. I think it would be the prudent environmental thing to do, uh, financial thing to do. And I think it's just kind of the common sense thing to do. I think even given uh, the the urban location of Reed International, we wish there was more opportunities to get people in and out of that airport with mass transportation. So I certainly think that should be um, part of it has to be part of the discussion. And I think it has and will be. $12 billion, the estimated amount for the supplemental airport, a lot of money, but then there's infrastructure estimates are 12 to $15 billion. Who pays for that? Well, the development would pay for it on the private side. Okay. The federal government would support it as a federal um, airport, part of the Federal Aviation Administration, um, so it, primarily those, those two sources. Okay. Well, that's this is Michael Naft. We are r- wrapping up this portion of the program right now. I want to thank Commissioner Naft, Stephen Stotts, owner of the Pioneer Saloon in Good Springs, Nevada, Patrick Donnelly, uh, the director for the Great Basin Area in the Center for Biological Diversity.